trying to find a silver bullet. Like, can I just you know dump money into Facebook ads and grow this thing? But that definitely did not work. I'm Pep Lyle. I don't do fluff. I don't do filler. I don't do emojis. Well, maybe sometimes on Twitter. What I do is study winners in B2B because I want to know how much is strategy, how much is luck, and how do they win? This week, Alex Krakow, former VP of Marketing at Lattice, a people management platform providing solutions to develop engaged and high-performing teams when everyone is remote. In a market dominated by a few key players with similar products, Lattice is in a constant battle to stay one step ahead. In the five years since their launch, they've grown to a headcount of 240 people with revenues of around $21.5 million, almost doubling year over year. So how do they compete? How do they win? In this episode, we talk about mental availability and the importance of being the first name potential clients think of. Someone's like, no, I don't want to buy Lattice. I'm not interested. We said, oh no, no worries, like join our community. And it was a way to stay in touch. And then we had a conference with 42,000 people RSVP, 22,000 attended. We hear about building and supporting a community of professionals. It's not a Lattice community. We actually don't even let our sales team in there, even though people are talking about like potentially buying. We talk about standing out in a world of similar products. You would stand at a conference booth and an HR person would come and laugh because they'd be like, no employee loves performance management. Well, let's get into it. So Alex, it's uh, 2016. Lattice has just launched. You are employee number three and uh, you guys need to go to market. So what was the initial landscape? What was your initial assumption of like which product you're going to lead with? What was the opening the opportunity? What was the initial go-to-market strategy? So when, when I first joined Laz, Laz was actually a goal tracking company and it started with OKRs and it was this idea of how can you build kind of operational excellence at a team? And when that first summer when we were trying to sell Lattice, we noticed when we were selling the, the OKR product, teams would probably start internal infighting, right? Trying to align all their different goals. But while we were talking to customers, we kind of kept hearing this, this trend that was coming up in a kind of adjacent space around continuous performance management. And there was this big shift in HR at the time where people were moving away from the traditional annual performance review and moving towards this model of continuous feedback, right? How can you give feedback in the moment when something happens? We pivoted the product pretty quickly and started building toward, towards that goal. Um, and so later that year, we launched kind of a lightweight performance review product. Then we built uh, feedback um, and kind of other things to help enable managers to have those conversations with employees. Like BetterWorks was the big OKR provider at the time. They were doing big kind of enterprise customers. But there was a company called Reflective who was doing this kind of more continuous performance management stuff and kind of led, led the industry at the time. So we started to kind of build actually a similar product to them. The big difference, though, was design. We really believe that you needed to build something that employees and managers love to use, uh, not just build for the HR persona. So that's kind of the early story of how we built the product and try to differentiate it. So that idea of continuous performance review, you weren't really thinking about that. So you learned that through your sales demos, your pitches. Yeah, basically, it's like our CEO and sales rep, and then me, kind of in the in the corner overhearing calls. But we would talk to people, and they'd like start fighting about the OKR thing, and you could just tell this they weren't wanting to buy your software; they were kind of fighting. And then you would hear them say, "Oh, but we have this other adjacent problem." And so, yeah, it was all customer calls, and then there's also 
a lot of market research and articles that were happening at the time. So I'd look at like Deloitte's uh, HR tech landscape report, and you could see that this emerging trend was was coming. So you decided to um, go down the simplicity, ease of use. It's a beautiful experience to use type of route. So the competitors uh, that you mentioned, so were they more like an enterprise-y, clunky, selling to HR? and Yes, like they were trying to appeal to a bigger enterprise you know, segment. And naturally, there's a lot of customization that needs to happen in those segments. So that, I think the experience just was not the same. And the interesting thing about the HR tech landscape is you have these direct competitors, like I mentioned, Reflective, 15.5 at the time, but then there's all these HRS providers, right? Your core HR folks who also, you know, they, they offer payroll and benefits and system of record and kind of all the core HR stuff. And then they kind of did what Lattice did, this more performance management stuff or employee engagement, but they just didn't invest in it. It wasn't a core competency of theirs. And so it it lacked some of the customization. It last lacked the user experience. And so we were able to start to kind of uh, steal customers from or partner with them. Um, it's probably a better way to say it. If you're disrupting incumbents, attack from below. This is the classic market disruption advice from Clayton Christensen. Go for the segments and products that are low margin for the incumbents. They are likely not to fight you there and instead focus on upmarket. And you can increase your market penetration get a toehold there first. If you go for the incumbent's high margin customers, they will fight you and likely crush you unless you have a strong base established. Even if you have innovation advantage, they will quickly copy you and catch up. They have deep pockets and can throw money at a problem. Brands that aspire to take over some existing big thing need to pick one thing they do and do it better. Preferably the one the big guys don't care much about. It was the dilemma that General Motors and Ford faced when they tried to decide, should we go down and compete against Toyota, who came in at the bottom, or should we make even bigger SUVs for even bigger people? And now Toyota has the same problem, as Koreans in Hyundai and Kia have really won the low end of the market from Toyota. And it's not because Toyota's asleep at the switch, but why would they ever invest to defend the lowest profit part of their market, which is the subcompacts, when they have the privilege of competing against Mercedes. You were a small startup. There were bigger players already there, probably deeper pockets at a time. What was your plan to win? And how were you planning to get the word out about Lattice? What worked and what didn't? On the product side, it was how can we make it as easy as possible to use while giving HR flexibility to kind of make a process that they want. Um, and that kind of modular but easy to use approach, I think really worked well in the market. And then on the, the marketing side, honestly, we experimented with a lot of different channels, right? I, I was trying to find a silver bullet, like, can I just you know dump money into Facebook ads and grow this thing? But that definitely did, did not work. And so I invested a lot into building a brand, building a community, like my overall kind of approach and guiding light for Lattice was how can I make the marketing team almost like a little media company that operates inside of Lattice, where there's a single advertiser, and that's Lattice. Specifically, then, what did that look like, the brand building in the media machine? One of the first things we did was actually interviews like this. We would have Jack sit down with heads of HR um, who were not customers of our, like the head of uh, people at Reddit, the head of people at Asana. We would do a really high-produced video, go into the offices, film a long thing, and then do a lot of video snippets and promote those over social. And it did this kind of wonderful thing for the brand because people started to associate Lattice with these 
much bigger brands. And I think people thought that they were customers at the time, uh, but they actually weren't. Uh, so we really focused on just how do we engage the HR community. And then funny enough, they all became customers. So in some ways, it was the best way to start an enterprise sales cycle. If your company has an unknown brand with no marketing support and your sales reps make 100 dials a day and send generic cold emails, this is not doing sales at all. It's telemarketing and it will fail. If you sell to B2B and your annual contract value is five figures or more, take an account-based marketing-like approach. One, make a list of every company that should become a customer in the next five years. Two, involve them in your media machine. You interview them, feature them, get them to speak at your event, get them to join your community, and you join theirs. Three, create and distribute a ton of unique insight to that audience. This way, you play the long game. When the target customer one day has a need and a budget, you're more likely to be in their consideration set. This is called mental availability. Or, when the time comes to pitch somebody via outbound, it's already a warm relationship. Or at the very least, they know who you are and what you're about. People do podcasts because they want like, hey, that person should know that I exist. So they, you know, invite them on the podcast. So it was like a similar play. Like we want these companies to know we exist. Exactly. And so uh, 2016, you were a continuous performance review company. But then rather quickly, you guys started to ship new products, additional products every six to 12 months or something. The big thing that happened, I think the time was what, September 2018, we launched engagement surveys. So in the past, it was you had a performance management provider and a performance data set, and then you had your engagement data set, right? These are the surveys that people send out to a company. Do you like working here? Are the people, and then they kind of have an aggregate total to give a feeling of employee sentiment. And we were the first company to, to combine the two. So now for the first time ever, you could answer questions like, are my top performers happy? Because we could see who your top performers were from the performance side of things. And then we could see happiness data from the engagement side of things. And so that was, I think, a huge pivotal turning moment. It changed the competitive landscape because what happened was all of the other point solutions started trying to catch up. And so you had CultureAmp, um, who's Lattice's biggest competitor today, they started on the engagement side, but then, you know, six months or a year later, they actually bought a performance company to start competing with us. And then you had Reflective trying to build their own engagement product. So there's this interesting game of catch up. And today you really can't be a performance company without offering engagement too. And we rebranded it as people management because we really thought about how can we help companies, you know, with their management? How can we help them build high performing and engaged teams? That's what it became all about. Mm. So tell me more about the product strategy there, uh, you know, shipping new products, expanding your suite. Was it to increase the net revenue earned by client per year, so expansion? Was it to attract a new type of customer, so you're expanding the market? Or was it about winning competitive deals that they have these features, so we also need to have these features? It was honestly a little bit of all of those things. You know, it was like, okay... Like a big story with Lattice was how do we increase our ACV, right? We, we had started in an SMB segment and wanted to move a market. And so a lot of our marketing changed to, okay, how do we do more ABM style marketing instead of just inbound? And that was a thing that was happening. And then the product was another element of that of, okay, we're charging nine bucks now per, per seat. Can we charge 12 bucks per seat? And all those things were 
this kind of big plan to how do we, okay, basically get more out of our existing customers. And then it helped our customers, right? These were things that they wanted um, and it made their lives easier, helped them consolidate systems. They got better data, they got better information. And so there's a real benefit to that. I think it's the classic like bundling, unbundling thing in, you know, in software where we had started in a really unbundled space. We were a point solution. And then now Lattice's product strategy is going more towards bundling where there's, you know, more of a front end platform. Gotcha. So you guys launched on Product Hunt. I've done Product Hunt numerous occasions being number one, uh, daily number one. doesn't really do much for the business. It's like nice juju, uh, good feeling for the team. Did any of it have any real business impact? The biggest business impact, which I think is maybe even more important than leads, is from a talent and recruiting perspective. You get the internal energy, as you said. Like everyone is so excited. It's amazing to see Lattice, like uh, you know, on the Nasdaq, like you know, in Times Square. It's just like so exciting, and you just feel the buzz and energy in the office and in Slack. But then externally, right, it helps with recruiting and to make these companies work. You need to get really good people. And I, my team would always joke because one of my favorite sayings was, "Oh, we're a real company now." And I keep saying it still, but like you have these moments where it's like an inflection point where, holy shit, we are a real, real company. And like each of those awards make it, make it happen. Yeah. 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 It's like at first you have startup t-shirts because like, are you a real startup yeah. if you don't have t-shirts and then name on the building and yeah, all these things. Exactly. What were some specific things that really had an impact on attracting talent and building a great culture of how that contributed to the massive success? Lattice is like a interesting culture company because we sell HR software, right? So I think it is more top of mind than probably most companies. Like the kind of joke I always give is it's like, it's hard for me to have a bad one-on-one with a person who writes articles about how to have a good one-on-one. And I think it also self-selects for the type of people who who join the company, right? These are people who are really interested in building a modern culture that is really focused around people, right? And I think we believe that as business has kind of moved online, it becomes more about the people. It becomes more about the information in people's brains. That's where the creative and the kind of the next generation of great companies is really built off, off talent and kind of creating those spaces. And I think the thing that I think we've done a little bit differently is it's not about benefits. You know, it's not about ping pong tables and snacks and all of that stuff. It's about giving something that people really want to work on and something they believe in and giving people the ability to grow. Do you think that was different than, let's say, your competitors, CultureAmp? They did not do any of those things? I'm not sure. CultureAmp specifically is an Australian company. So I think they maybe looked at it from a, you know, probably a different viewpoint because of kind of that international side of things. And I think that made them probably more complex because they had way more offices. So I'm sure their culture was probably more like a remote culture. You mentioned you got into a, quite a bit of feature war with the competitors, you know, catch up, who's copying whom. If you look at any mature SaaS category, there's very little objective difference between the tools. Everybody has every feature. What's your view here? What is and how was Lattice thinking about this on the inside? Was it that you doubled down on a particular segment of the market that others maybe weren't so interested in? Did you have a particular use case or a 10x feature for a particular subset that others weren't building? What was the product-based differentiation play? It was a very interesting and debate, you know, sort of conversation internally, where it basically settled was we need to focus on our strengths and double down on our strengths. And for us, it was performance, right? We had 
Culture Amp, who was a really good competitor of ours. They had this amazing engagement product. It would take years, honestly, for us to catch up from a product perspective to get there. And so we looked at it and said, okay, how can we really outcompete them on our strength, which was performance management and this idea of continuous performance management, which we believed was more important, right? You don't just work at a company to sit around and be happy. You work at a company to achieve some end goal, whether you are a hedge fund and you want to make money or you're a nonprofit and you want to end poverty, you you want to have a high performing team that's going to help you kind of reach this, this end goal. And so we thought from a marketing message standpoint that resonated more with, with everybody, right? A CEO wants that, the HR person wants that and managers and so on and so forth. And so that was what our product positioning became more about. That's what we focus on from a product perspective too. And not to say we weren't building engagement and trying to catch up, but from an investment perspective, we wanted to make sure we kept that lead. Many, many people have said product-based differentiation is, is going away. You know, David Kenzel 2017 and so on. In this stage, it's really around how do you differentiate? How do you build brand? Why is a customer going to buy from you? And why is this better than anything else? You cannot hide behind trade secrets because anyone can read what the unit economics should be in a business. Everyone can copy the tech, that's easy to figure out. But really now it's like, how do you build a brand? So while you're building these features and trying to you know, maintain your leadership position in certain areas, were you also actively thinking about moats, you know, building moats, I don't know, whether it's switching costs or any other type of moat that would make you win the feature war or the product war? So on the product side of things, I think the moat was just how do all these different products connect, right? And if we can get your performance data and your engagement data and your development data in one place, and then the way it's all interconnected, you know, in a, in a native product is way more powerful than if you're trying to connect it through a bunch of APIs and show up in a Looker dashboard and we're able to show you more interesting insights about your business. And so we believe that as we kind of build more product surface area, it brings more value to the customer. On the marketing side of things, our, our moat became our, our community. We had built this community resources for humans and it started in a Slack channel and then evolved into a bunch of different other kind of properties newsletter. We had a huge conference, both in person uh, and virtual. We would have lots of other little events. And we have, I think, 11,000 HR folks in the community. And it's it's not a lattice community. We actually don't even let our sales team in there, even though people are talking about like potentially buying lattice. And so over time, that community, that kind of media company idea really helped to build up our, our brand in the market. And I think that's a hard thing to copy because we are becoming this kind of destination for HR just to learn. Like you don't have to buy Lattice to get access to all these things. These are all free for the community. Being at the center of an active community is a great way of building mental availability. If HR professionals are going to Lattice community for discussion and advice, Lattice will be the first name they think of as a potential customer. What if you built a community around your customer base? The fact that you aren't necessarily offering advice and it's all community-generated content doesn't matter. As long as the content is high quality, curated and relevant, it will build an association with your brand as a useful, trusted resource. As time goes on, you can start to leverage that community as customers or launch e-learning resources to further grow the community and attract a new demographic or capitalize on what you've built. When we launched CXL Institute, we had a huge head start due to the engaged community we had built two essential ingredients of a successful community. One, they have a shared identity. So like we're all HR people or product marketers or startup founders or whatever. And two, there's a shared destination. 
everyone in the community has a similar end game in mind. Getting their business to X million dollars of revenue, or becoming a CMO, or just getting excellent at their craft. A lot of companies are trying to build a you know, community as their moat and brand as their moat. And we see a lot of ghost towns, you know, a lot of communities that, you know, not exactly dead, but not quite alive either, some kind of zombie status. So what do you think Lattice did specifically about the community building that it got right? Was it that there was no existing community for these people to hang out? So there was existing communities and some of our competitors actually had them. I think there was a couple of interesting learnings along the way. The first was we, when we first launched it, we tried to make it really like an executive level community, right? Like how do we get CHROs in there? And it completely tanked because we found that the executive did not have the same sort of time in their life. And so we relaunched it as kind of a general HR community and it started to really take off. And I think the best thing we did was make it feel very like VIP. So you had to apply, you couldn't just join. There was an application form, you had to explain why, and that was really helpful. Um, and sort of getting the right, right people in there and kind of creating this aura around it. The other thing was like continual growth. Cause I think what happens with the community is a lot of people get into a Slack channel, they forget about it. And so we were constantly adding new people into there and then we built it into our entire process. So in an outbound sales email, someone's like, no, I don't want to buy Lattice or I'm not interested. We said, oh no, no worries, like join our community. And it was a way to stay in touch. And then we, we really kept it alive by doing things outside of the Slack channel. So it became not just about, okay, are you posting in there? Because it gets really messy quickly. It becomes, are you engaging with our newsletter? Are you coming to our events? So on and so forth. So what also happens in a high growth or saturated categories that eventually all the companies start saying very similar things. You know, they're uh, same benefits and same good market message. And so if you're new to the category, you're not a category connoisseur, and you're competing, it's very hard to tell them apart. What was Lattice's go-to-market and marketing message early on, and how has it evolved while still differentiating against the competition? Yeah, it was, a, it was a very frustrating journey as like you continually update your messaging and then you go look at other people's websites, you know, three, four months later. And it's like, oh, this is vaguely familiar. I think our approach generally with competitor and messaging was we would keep an eye on it, but really just our messaging came from within us. Whether you're a fast growing startup, healthcare company, agency or enterprise, it's time for a performance management process that's focused on the employee experience. Get started with Lattice. And so our early messaging was performance management employees love because it was a sort of counterintuitive thing. You would stand at a conference booth and an HR person would come and laugh at it because they'd be like, no employee loves performance management. And so that was kind of a fun twist on an old school message. And that, that was kind of, let's say, phase one of Lattice. But then as we expanded our product from performance and doing engagement, we changed it to like develop uh, engaged and high performing teams. So that change really was about okay, how do we marry these two concepts of performance and engagement in one place? And then you'll notice that all the competitors, as they change their product set, it, they kind of converge on a similar messaging with you know, switching out a word here or there. And so what we really tried to do was probably two things. One was design. Like we think we could, we could outcompete people with our brand design. 
And so we did some interesting look and feel on our website. So at the very least, even if the words are the same, the feeling is really different. And so we come up with this cool visual language of real live models, real life people, right? Because we're, we're a people company, but marrying it with like CGI kind of backgrounds and stuff. And so it wasn't just the kind of sea of like illustrations that you see on most SaaS websites or just like, you know, shitty stock photography. It was kind of this, this blended CGI plus people design. And I think that helped us stand out a little bit. For cold traffic, website copy is the number one conversion driver. It's twice as effective as good design and should constantly be adapted, tested, and improved. It's why we started Winter. But design and copy are inseparable. The role of design is to help you communicate the message. It takes just 50 milliseconds for a visitor to form a judgment about your website. If they don't like what they see, they'll be scrolling past it quickly. You need to hook them right away with non-generic, non-boring copy and design. I think the other way we were able to innovate was how can we, even if the messages are the same, like if you put it in different places or unique places, that's really interesting. And so we would put the message in billboards or, uh, you know, we actually wrote a book recently. And so it's like our messaging is getting out there into different ways. What's interesting, and actually, as I bring up the book, is our messaging just became more complicated or more robust over time. So another big concept we talk a lot about is people strategy. Like we believe companies um, need to have a people strategy in the same way that they have a sales and marketing and product strategy. And so that's why, you know, one of the reasons why we, we wrote a book to encourage more, more companies to do that. Lattice leads with people strategy in their messaging. And it might not be 100% clear right up front what that is. Contrary to what you usually keep hearing, you want a bit of cognitive disfluency in your messaging. When you say you're a CRM, I put you in the CRM box in my mind. Let's stop paying attention to the details. CRM, got it. You're like Salesforce, HubSpot, yada, yada. I fill the gaps with assumptions. If the messaging in your ad sounds like something your competitor might say, they might actually attribute the ad to them. Category leaders often get the mental attribution for other companies' ads. Challenger brands need to work a little harder to cut through. That's why you need to make people work a little harder to process information about your brand. Making it harder activates the slow thinking part of the brain. They'll code your messaging more deeply, remember it longer, understand it better, and in the process, learn more about you. Of course, use it sparingly. People disengage from overly complex language. How did the, the target market change as you started growing? You know, so you said you targeted SMBs early on. Were you going up market? Did you have to abandon the earlier market and then you know go upstream? And what happened there? So we were moving up market, and I think we, we didn't abandon it. So today, Lattice really serves companies between, let's say, 25, 50 employees all the way up to 3,000. So it's a pretty big market. And what happened was we we basically optimized our go-to-market. We have, you know, our sales teams go after different segments, but the, the persona definitely really changed, right? And so the bottom end of the market, right, you have a persona that I like to think of as like an accidental HR person, somebody who is kind of getting stuck with all the HR. It could be the, the founder or the CEO. It could be the office manager. And there's a point of time in a company where, Everyone's like, I need a performance review. I need to do this thing. And you're like, oh God, how do I do that? And then you scramble and figure it out online. And so 
these people want to be told what to do. They want to be say, here's the best way to do performance management. And they want your product and your services to kind of guide them through it. But then as you move a market, it becomes, you know, the, the HR org becomes more professional. It becomes bigger. You have HR people who really know what they are doing, right? And they, they want to implement it their way. They have a belief of how they think performance management or employee engagement should be run at the company. And so your software needs to be flexible enough for them to be able to run their program. And so it's like more prescriptive early on, more customized later. What's Lattice's marketing like now? Uh, Where's the growth coming from? How much is like paid acquisition versus like SEO versus uh, brand content, like media, like videos and things like that? Lattice early on was all inbound, let's say 75% inbound driven. And so a lot of it was coming from word of mouth, uh, organic search, um, a lot of things from our, our brand and community, right? People, like I think of it as a lot of like indirect marketing where people join our community, they read an ebook, they take an action, and then they eventually kind of come back uh, to demo when they are ready. Over time, we've been trying to shift the mix from inbound to outbound because we know that enterprise buyers don't quite buy in the same way. We started to have more efficiency kind of in our in our sales team as well. In a lot of ways, I think of it as like an alley-oop, right? So marketing creates a campaign, creates a you know an awesome conference, and then is really working closely with the sales team to follow up on those different leads. And we're doing a lot more of, I think, what is like scaled account-based marketing where we have, let's say, 10 to 20,000 accounts that we want to go after, right? Like direct mail became a big part of our, our toolkit where we're sending out mass direct mail to different folks, start the conversation, get it going, and then pairing that with outbound sales, emails, or, or so on and so forth. Lattice has raised quite a bit of money. Investor expectations about certain milestones are probably pretty ambitious. So considering the numbers you need to hit, what kind of bets is Lattice making in terms of product, also marketing? It's a funny thing. Like every November, December, you look at the annual plan for the following year, like, oh my God, that is insane. How are we going to do it? Especially when it starts getting into like million dollar months and multi-million dollar months, you're like, like where, how are we going to possibly do this? And, you know, knock on wood, we've, we've been able to do it. And I think it's being pretty bold and ambitious. So on the, the product side of things, it was really scaling up the engineering team, right? And building out pods. And we hired an awesome VP of engineering and our COO actually changed and, and is now a chief product officer and president. And he's leading that. And so there's a massive product investment because ultimately we believe if we can build the best product out there, the rest will, will kind of fall into place. So it's, it's like spending just a lot of money on R&D and being really aggressive. And then on the marketing side of things, it is like, how can we just up-level, like basically every year we kind of did the same things, but we just up-leveled the ambition and scale of it. Back in 2016, I was struggling to do maybe a webinar every month and I could get like a hundred people to show up at that webinar. But then last year during COVID, and this, there was a long journey to get here, we had a conference with 42,000 people RSVP, 22,000 attended. We had Trevor Noah as a headline speaker. I would encourage companies, especially through this period, to take the time and take the effort to look after their employees the way they've expected their employees to look after their companies for this long. You just scaled up the ambition and that costs a lot of money, right? Like we spend money to get him, we spend money on ads to get those people. And over time, you know, I would my budget would increase and increase and increase. And you just have to be able to think 
bigger and bigger. Um, and you have to do things that you're uncomfortable or unknown. Like we spent money on billboards and things like that without knowing whether it would quite work. And the trick with all of it though, was I had a really good relationship with our CEO and founder, Jack. Um, we were able to really mind what meld and agree on different things, especially on these more I don't know, brandy marketing things that are harder to track the ROI. I was really fortunate to have a CEO who believed and supported those, those kind of different ambitious projects. Awesome. Uh, Alex, it was a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Awesome. Thank you so much. So what are the three key decisions that Lattice has made in order to grow and succeed? One, they focused their company on its strengths against the competition. We looked at it and said, okay, how can we really outcompete them on our strength, which was performance management, right? You don't just work at a company to sit around and be happy. You work at a company to achieve some end goal, right? A CEO wants that, the HR person wants that. And so that was what our product positioning became more about. Two, they built an engaged community, which is not sales focused. We had built this community of resources for humans. It started in a Slack channel and then evolved into a bunch of different other kind of properties newsletter. We had a huge conference, both in person uh, and virtual. We have, I think, 11,000 HR folks in the community. And three, as they grew, they kept investing more and more into R&D to build the best product and up-level their marketing ambition, improving their customer acquisition game every year. Marketing creates a campaign, creates a, you know, an awesome conference, and then is really working closely with the sales team to follow up on those different leads. A final takeaway from Alex. You just have to be able to think bigger and bigger. Um, and you have to do things that you're uncomfortable or unknown. That's how you win. I'm Pepe Lab. For more tips on how to win, follow me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Thanks for listening.